Hello, I'm Pastor Rick, and welcome to our podcast. I hope that the message that you're about to hear will bless and encourage you today. Time for me to preach. And I have been looking forward to preaching. So grab your Bible in whatever format you have it. If you have it traditionally like I do, fantastic. If you have it uh, electronically like I do, I don't use it at church that way, fantastic. I hope you picked up a note sheet as you walked in the building. Those of you at home, you don't get a note sheet, but the notes will appear on the screen, and you can uh, take pictures of them if you would like. All right, I have a, I have a question, and I am asking for a response. And at home, I am asking for a response. Do you ever talk to your device? Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm not as, well, actually, I didn't think I was that strange because I talk to this. Well, sometimes I've been known, especially if I'm riding by myself, to talk to it while I'm traveling as I say she is directing me because I have Siri set up on my phone with a female voice. I know you can set it up in other ways, but I don't know. Somehow Siri sounds better as a female voice. And so recently, I was doing some traveling, and you know, I love to know where I'm going, and I love to know how I'm supposed to get there, whether that's using a map or following the Lord, I love to know where I'm going, and I love to know how to get there. I've made it, my title today is Directed East, when I wanted to go west, Directed East, when I wanted to go west, subtitle, How to Trust God's direction. I don't know about you, but I've gotten in the habit that when I'm traveling, even when I'm traveling, even in Indianapolis, I, uh, I open this thing and I say, hey, Siri, and I'm not going to do it because she's going to talk to me and do things. But, you know, I say where I'm going and she puts it in the map. I say directions too. A little while ago, I was on one of these trips and I told Siri where I wanted to go and proceeded up I-65 to go where I wanted to go. I was heading to the northwest side of Indianapolis, heading towards Lafayette. And I'm driving down the road and got my music playing. And when my music is playing and Sherry's not in the car, okay, the music is playing loud. The bass is a thumping a bit. Now, not like some of the people who thump that pet next to me uh, or like my son uh, who used to, man, his, his, his bass shook his windows. But My bass is thumping and the music is playing, and if it's a song that I really, really, really like, I'm singing it loud because there's nobody to hear or listen to me. So I'm going up I-65, and I'm approaching the 465 split, which is, you know, where most of us end up going when we're going any place in Indianapolis, especially now with the construction there at I-70. So... I'm driving along, and all of a sudden, my device says, in 10 miles, take, four, take exit 106 onto I-465 East towards Cincinnati. And I'm driving and stinging, and what, 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 what did she say? I must have heard her wrong because of the music being loud. So I'm continuing to drive, and then again, in three miles, take exit 106 onto I-65, or 465 East, towards Cincinnati. Now, I'm not going 
to the east side of Cincinnati, or Cincinnati. I'm not going to the east side of Indianapolis. I'm going to the northwest side of Indianapolis. What she was supposed to say is take the exit and go I-465 west toward St. Louis because that's what she always says. But she said take I-465 east. I, I, I looked. Did I give her the wrong address? Nope. Nope, the map is still showing me going up there. So I'm driving down the road 70, 75 miles an hour. The music is still playing, and I'm thinking, I-465 East, what's going on? No, 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 it's, it's I-465 West. This doesn't make sense. Now, I've only got about three minutes to decide what I'm going to do. And you know what Siri is like, or if you use Google Maps, whoever that person is. I just call mine Siri uh, because that's who I'd say. Hey, Siri, do this. So... I'm getting closer, and she keeps saying, on the right, take exit, such and such, 465 East towards Cincinnati. So I'm getting up there, and I'm getting up there, and I decide to get in the lane and guess which direction I went. Who wants to guess which direction I went? I did not. I went east. I really did. So I'm merging onto 465 East, driving through the traffic, Music is still playing, but I'm not singing along now. As I'm driving, I'm thinking, why am I going east? I knew that ultimately the loop was going to take me where it needed to go. The map showed me that it was taking me that way. And then I had a thought. Then I had a thought. I wonder what Siri knows that I don't. I wonder what Siri knows that I don't. I thought, you know, she sees the traffic. She knows that maybe there's construction. Maybe there was an accident. So I made a choice to follow Siri east, even though ultimately I knew I needed to go west because I trusted she knew something about my route that I didn't. She kept talking to me all the way through around the east side, up around the 69 area, across the top of Indianapolis, which I should not have had to have gone because I wanted to be over there, but I did. And as I'm driving, I had an impression. Now, this was not a voice. It was not even a string of words, but it was definitely an impression that I believe it was from God. And this is what he dropped into my heart. Sometimes it's easier for you to trust Siri than it is for you to trust me. And I just, oh, whoa, Lord, not me. I trust you. Well, yeah, I know, right? Sometimes. Yeah. And the impression continues, and based on the impressions I had driving that day, I've developed this message. Here's the first point in your notes this morning. I felt as if God was saying this to us. Many of us, many of God's people trust their GPS more than they trust Him. Many of God's people trust their GPS more than they trust Him because if their GPS tells them to go someplace that they don't think they should, they'll follow it. But if God tells us to go someplace that we don't think we should, we question it or oftentimes go our own way. One time Sherry was driving through Chicago, and neither of us know Chicago very well, and she was going to a conference, 
and it was on the northern side of the city, so she's on the toll roads and stuff, and all of a sudden it tells her to get off the interstate. It made her very uncomfortable getting off the interstate. So now she's off the interstate driving on city streets where she did not want to be. She didn't feel comfortable being there, and she was just saying when she told me the story, I hope this device knows where I'm going because now she is lost. Without the device, she would have been lost in Chicago. But it took her here, and it took her there, and it took her around this, and it took her there, and put her back on the interstate 15 minutes later. What did Siri know that she didn't, but she trusted Siri? Based off this question, many people trust their GPS more than they trust him. Or based on that statement, here's a question for you. Are we as quick to trust Jesus to direct us as we are Siri? Are we willing to trust God and his word even when it seems backwards? So here's the second point this morning. And this one is really where I'm going to focus a lot of what I'm talking about. Many others of God's people do not even know how to tune into God's direction. They don't know how to tune into God's direction for their lives. Their spiritual GPS is not turned on. Many of God's people are living the best that they know how, following what the world and culture says is the way to go. Here's a statement coming up on the screen. You cannot fly by the seat of your pants when it comes to following God. You know, sometimes we said, I'm just flying by the seat of my pants. You're building something. You're driving someplace. I'm just flying by the seat of my pants. You're trying to figure something out. You're trying to parent. You're trying in your marriage. I'm just going to fly by the seat of my pants. You cannot fly by the seat of your pants when it comes to following God because you're going to end up in a place you don't want to be. When all else fails, this expression's been out there for a long time, when all else fails, read the instructions. There is a better way. It's God's way. And he may need for you sometimes to go east, even if your final destination is west. Here's a key thought this morning. This one's printed in your notes. The ways of God... And this is why it gets to be confusing. The ways of God are often a paradox. There's a big word for you. They're often a paradox or they're backward to natural logic. The ways of God are often a paradox or backward to natural logic. That's why you can't follow God the way the world says to live. You cannot follow God doing what everybody else is doing and get the blessings and follow God into a way of obedience. you got to know what God says. Many of God's ways are often backwards to our natural logic. So we need to, God, to know what God says. We are to do to be able to walk in His ways, which leads to walking in obedience and blessing. Let me just give you a list, not on the screen. Listen to these. Biblical paradoxes. Think about these. The Bible is filled with paradoxes. Jesus spoke about so many paradoxes. The world says, hate your enemies. What does Jesus say? Love your enemies. That's a paradox. That's different than the way the world says. Listen, if you hate me, <laughs> I'm hating you back. Another paradox. The world says to hit back. Jesus said, do good 
to those who mistreat you. The world says, get revenge. Jesus says, don't take revenge. Forgive and leave the results to God. The world says, hold on to your life at any cost. Jesus says, lose your life and you will find it. The world says, push yourself to the top. Crawl yourself to the top. Jesus says, lose your life and you will find it. The world says, you're number one. Jesus says, many of the first will be last, and the last will be first. The world says, buy, acquire, and get rich, and Jesus says, give. Store up treasures in heaven, and you'll be rich. The world says, exploit the masses. Jesus says, do good to the poor. The paradoxes. But what if you don't know where the, what the paradoxes are? What if you don't know what God wants? That is why this book is vital for your life. The ways of God are often a paradox or backwards to natural logic, but as a pastor and as someone who has walked with God for over 40 years, I have watched person after person after person shipwreck their life because they don't know the instructions. They haven't opened the instruction manual. So we're going to only look at one paradox, but it's a very general thing that Jesus says. It's in uh, Matthew's gospel, chapter 6, verses 31 through 33. Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 through 33. Many of these paradoxes I talked about, they're in the Sermon on the Mount, as is this in the Sermon on the Mount. So following along, Jesus said, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? These were the three primary needs of any ancient culture, any culture that is in a, 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 a subsistence. Got it. It came out in a subsistence way of living. Do not worry saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But, now here's what we're to do. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Don't go looking out for food. Don't be looking out for clothing. Don't be looking out for what you should eat, what you should drink, what you should wear. The necessities of life should not consume our thoughts. What should consume our thoughts? Seeking first the kingdom. Yeah, but if I seek first the kingdom and I, and I don't seek this job or I seek first the kingdom and I don't seek this, it's all going to mess up. And what's happening is you're coming to that crossroad and God says, seek first the kingdom, go east. Seek first the kingdom, go east. Yeah, but, 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 and many of us go west. John, I heard your voice very loudly when I asked which direction everybody thought that I went. Did I go east or did I go west? My natural inclination is to go the way that I think is best. And unfortunately, it also happens sometimes in my own spiritual walk. I think I have it figured out. Now, after 40-some years of being in the Word of God, I know most of these paradoxes. But when I was new in the Lord, everything within me wanted to go west my way. As a matter of fact, we lift up my way as the right way. We sing about it. Frank Sinatra sang about it, and others have sang about it. I did it my way. Regrets, I've had a few. 
But then again, too few to mention, okay, I did it my way. That's, that's the world's way. That's the way we are taught. Young people, young people, listen to me. Do it your way. Go west when God wants you to go east, and you will end up on a trash heap someplace. Luckily, we get to change direction if we're going the wrong way. Let's say there was an accident, and I went west, and all of a sudden I got into traffic. Well, I could have gotten off on one of those exits and hopefully flipped around and gone back east saying, well, I should have gone east in the first place. Listen, there's nothing to stop you from correcting your direction when you're going the wrong direction. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Follow this paradise or this paradox. Most of us end up going the way of the world we go west when God would have us go east to end at the proper destination because the ways of the world are often directly opposite of how it feels right to go. If you and I do not live God's way, it's no wonder that our lives end up being a far cry from what God says they could and should be. If you and I will not go God's way. If you and I will not go God's way, it's no wonder that our lives are a far cry from what God says they could and should be. And then it's no wonder that the impact we are making individually and as a church on our community, on our country, and on our world is so low. So here's a question for you. It's point three this morning. What does God know that I don't? What does God know that I don't? Go up the next point, please. What does God know that I don't? I'm going to go his way even when it doesn't make sense. What does God know that I don't? And then make a decision. I'm going to go his way even when it doesn't make sense. You're going to go east even though you want to go there. You'll get the long way around. Hopefully you'll end at the same destination. There's a verse in the book of Proverbs, chapter 14, verse 12. This is the New Living Translation version of it. I have it memorized in a different translation, but I really like the way it's said it here in, in this translation. As it comes up on the screen, Proverbs 14. There is a path before each person that seems right. Oh, hear me, people of God. Those of you at home, young people, people who are, you're new in your faith. Maybe you're not young in years, but you're new in your faith. There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. The world's ways make the path that way seem right. But God said, take that path, if that's not the path he wants you on, and it ends in death. We've got to do it God's way. Love this statement that Pastor Stephen Furtick made in a message I don't know how long ago. Um, I listened to it sometime in the past two to three months. Pastor Stephen says this, you can't do what the world does and get what the word says. You can't do what the world does and get what the world says. The Bible is filled with promises, promises of God's blessing, promises of God's care, promises of God's protection, promises of God's faithfulness. You can't get those things doing what the world does. You've got to do what the Word says. You can't 
you can't do what the world does and get what the word says. So, your spiritual GPS. Using this illustration, your spiritual GPS is in your hand. Yes, for most of us, it's on our devices. And it's not Google Maps or iMaps or anything else. It is the Bible, the Word of God. Do you want to know what God says? You've got to read and get into God's Word. Do you want to live your life in a way that is going to open up your life to the blessings of God, then you've got to do it God's way, not your way or Frank Sinatra's way or the school's way or what people teach you. You've got to do it God's way, which means you need to become familiar with the book. So for the next about 10 minutes, 15 at the most, I'm going to give you some practical steps as to how you can engage meaningfully with God's word. Since the book is your spiritual GPS, some of you have never turned your spiritual GPS on because you haven't been feeding your heart and spirit with God's word. You are, you are wandering through life hoping that you're pleasing God. You are wandering through life thinking you're doing the right thing and you're ending up going west when God would have you go east. In relationships, you're making mistakes. In finances, you're making mistakes. In your marriage, you're making mistakes. In your parenting, you're making mistakes. There is a way and a path before you that seems right, but it ultimately leads to death. Let's turn on our spiritual GPSs. Let's get into God's Word. Okay, here we go. Practical. Steps of engaging meaningfully with God word, God's word, number one. Read or listen daily to a quantity of God's word. Read or listen daily to a quantity of God's word. And I say quantity. Chapters, minutes, favorite verses are not a quantity. Yes, it's wonderful to reflect upon a favorite verse like all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Yes, it's wonderful to uh, meditate or to think about a favorite verse. Be delighted in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. But for you to learn God's ways so that you can walk properly, you need to read or listen daily to a quantity of God's word. And the reason I say listen is some of you are not good readers. I understand that. You start reading and your eyes glaze over. Virtually every Bible program, and I use the, um, uh, the Bible app. What, what do I use? <laughs> good grief. Um, the YouVersion, YouVersion Bible app, has it recorded. You can listen to God's Word. And there are times that, you know, I plop this up in my, in my uh, truck and the map program's telling me to go east or west or do whatever, and the Bible is telling me what God's Word says as I'm listening to it. So read or listen to a quantity of God's Word. Jesus said this, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Jesus says, The Scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. God has chosen to capture these words. They're here. They're for you. They're available. Man shall not live by bread alone but for every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, I just want to take just a moment to share something very personal. I am so grateful 
that early on in my Christian walk, I was taught the value of the Word of God. After I came to a personal relationship with Jesus and, and left the uh, mainline church that I was in that wasn't really uh, teaching me the, way, the, the ways of God and the Word of God, I ended up attending a couple of different churches, both of them, had a strong encouragement to daily read God's Word. Just everybody's attention for a second. If you're online playing a game while you're watching me, if that's possible. Listen for just a second. Pause your game. You cannot read this book virtually every day for over 40 years and not have it impact you, change you, feed you. That's what I want for every single one of you. If you're new in the Lord, if you're under the age of 30, think about it. If you every day were in this book and spent a quantity of time, a number of chapters in this book every day for 40 years, this book will change you. Some of the things that are in my life, some of the most positive things that are in my life are because I chose to go east when I wanted to go west. Because God said, do it my way. Now, ultimately, I ended up in a great place. I have a great marriage. Why? Because I went east instead of west. What do you mean by that? When I came to know the Lord, I came out of a very secular mindset and environment. This is how you develop relationships. You got to know somebody. You went out on a few dates. Then you slept together. <clears throat> Sometimes now it's first date. In fact, that's the, that's the whole purpose of the date. God said all sexual expression is reserved for marriage. And I had a choice to make. Ultimately, I wanted marriage. Ultimately, I wanted a great relationship with a spouse. Ultimately, I wanted to go northwest. But I went east first. And looped around, doing it God's way, until Sherry was brought into my life. And I kept my fly zipped and my pants on. Not everybody does. Doesn't mean you can't, if you've gone west, can't flip around and do it God's way. I wish I could say that in every aspect of relationships or sexuality, I always went east because there was a period of time, started before I was a believer but continued after I was a believer when. The Bible says flee all sexual expression. Flee. And, as I said, I kept the pants zipped and on. But that doesn't mean that the pornography wasn't going into my brain. Not as easily as it's available now, but it was there. And you know what? I went west, and I went west, and I went west. I went west, 
and it had an impact until I finally know and started to do it God's way. But that doesn't mean going west all that time left me unimpacted or unaffected. But I attribute so much of where I am specifically to two churches and two pastors that I hold dearly in my heart who taught me the value of the Word of God, taught me and encouraged me and encouraged their churches to get into it and to spend time in it, and I did. And so for 40 years, I've been putting this book in my heart and in my life. Number two. Hopefully I'll speed up. Read from a translation you can easily understand. I don't think here that's that big of an issue, but there are some people that still, they go and grab an old Bible, and it's an old King James, and nothing wrong with the King James Version. The New King James is quite good. The Old King James, you can get bogged down in the language. Don't get bogged down in the language. There are wonderful translations out there now, so you're not bogged down in the language. Read from a translation you can easily understand. Three that I recommend, there are others out there. The New Living Translation, which I use to preach from, the New King James Version, and the New International Version. I'm going to tell you, just honestly, I don't recommend the message or the Amplified Bible for new readers. Oh, I think they're both great. But new readers need to be in a straightforward translation, not a paraphrase, not the Amplified. That's for us who have been reading the Bible for a long time to help freshen it for us and to help explain it. There are refreshing insights in those books, but I do not recommend them. I do not recommend them to new believers. If you are not yet in a Bible reading program, a daily Bible reading program, Grab one of those easier translations. And the nice thing about the electronic Bibles is you have all those translations available just like that. Number three, spend most of your time in the New Testament. Spend most of your time in the New Testament. And that's for those of you who do not already have a habit of Bible reading. The Old Testament is powerful. I read the Old Testament. It says in 2 Timothy, Scripture's coming up on the screen. 2 Timothy says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God and the woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Old Testament is valuable and vital, but for you that are younger believers, and even myself, spend time in the New Testament. Read the words of Jesus. Read the writings of the early church fathers. Read the New Testament. Read Paul and Peter and James. The one exception about the Old Testament that I give you is Psalms and Proverbs. Read those often because there is a lot that you can get from them. Number four, first three things are read and listen daily to a quantity of God's Word. Number two, read from a translation you can easily understand. Number three, spend most of your time in the New Testament. Number four, read systematically. Don't pick and choose. Don't pick and choose. You want to know God's word and God's ways, don't pick and choose. Read systematically so that you can read it all, but especially all of the New Testament. I have given this before. I have talked about this before. This is a Bible bookmark that I developed, I don't know, 20, 25 years ago. Used it in my former church. Used it here. As a matter of fact, let me show you where the Bible bookmark is. It's taped in the back of my Bible. I still follow this New Testament reading plan. Why? 
because you don't read the New Testament through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. On the Bible bookmark, you read Matthew and then you read Acts. Then you read Romans. Then you come back and read Mark. Then you do 1st and 2nd Corinthians and then you do Luke. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and then the book of John. Colossians, 1st Thessalonians, 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Matthew. Yep. I believe that the words and the life of Jesus are so important that this systematic Bible reading plan, you will go through the, new, you will go through the Gospels and the book of Acts twice for every time you read through the epistles. Just the way I set it up, found it to be incredibly helpful, especially for people who do not have a good grasp of the Word of God. But I've been doing this for 40 years. I still follow it. It helps me to read systematically. Number five, read and listen to good Bible-based preaching and teaching. The Word of God itself will instruct you, but sometimes because of culture, sometimes because of wording, sometimes you need to be instructed in how this scripture over here ties in with this scripture over there, which means you need to read and listen to good Bible-based preaching and teaching. Like what I believe you get in this church. Not just from me, from anybody that I invite to this pulpit. You are going to learn the Word and the ways of God. So let's get our spiritual GPS turned on. And then let's listen to our spiritual GPS and obey the directions it gives, even when they don't make sense to our natural minds. Pastor Stephen Furtick's quote again. Think I, yeah. You can't do what the world does and get what the word says. You can't begin a marriage relationship and get what God promises by doing it the world's way. You can't get finances in order the way that you want to be under the blessings of God doing it the world's way. You can't perform on your job and have the blessing of God doing it the world's way, cutting corners, half-truths, lies. God says, this is the way. You do it honestly. Let's listen to our spiritual GPS, the Bible. Obey the directions it gives, and even when they don't make, even when they don't make sense to our natural minds. Now, one last thing. Sometimes the direction that God gives as a team, you, can, you guys can make it up to the platform. Sometimes the Word of God does not have the specific answer to your question, such as, should I take this job or not take this job? Should I go to this school or not go to this school? Should I do this or not do that? Those are times you need to learn to hear the voice of God. After 40 years of reading his word, and one thing about the voice of God, it never contradicts the word. It never contradicts the word. If the word says don't lie, then the voice of God will not tell you to lie. If the word says don't cheat, the voice of God will not tell you to cheat. But you need also, through prayer, to learn how to hear the voice of God. God, because there are decisions that you will need to make that you can't go to the scripture necessarily because it doesn't say go to Purdue or go to IU. That's a decision that you need the direction of the Lord.
maybe you might even be called to go to Evangel University or one of the other schools that are our Assemblies of God school. But you'll never be able to fully hear God's voice in your home if you haven't been listening to God's voice here. We're in a time of spirituality in this country that causes me anxiety and causes me to pray because unfortunately I watch where so many who claim the name of Jesus are. They don't, even, they don't follow the book. There are some that don't even believe that it is really God's inspired and inerrant word. In a quote from an old translation, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is death. We need to continue to be, and for those of you that are, you understand the value of this. For those of you that are, we need to continue to be or to start to become men and women of the book. This book has been given so that your life can be lived in a way that is best for you and that God can honor and bless. So let's get into God's word. Would you stand? I'm going to pray. And then the team is it's going to lead in a little bit of worship while the Holy Spirit has opportunity to speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, we are here. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. David welcomed you when he said, search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Try me and see if there be any way in me that offends you. Lord, we ask that you search us also. Where do we need to stop going west and to get back on the right path? Who here this morning hasn't been following you and they need to say no? Starting today, I will choose to do it God's way and not my way. Be speaking to them. Holy Spirit, as we have a few minutes just to be in your presence, speak to hearts and speak to lives in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for this message from Columbus First Assembly. If this message has blessed you in any way, would you share it on your social media feeds so that others can be blessed also? If you would like to join us for an in-person service and you're close to us, we are in Columbus, Indiana, then uh, our services start at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings and our church is located on the corner of 10th and Iowa. Once again, thanks for joining us. Look forward to having you join us again soon.